0: Teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. I want to let you know about Prep for the First Day, a free three day challenge that I am hosting over on my website, The Simply Organized Teacher. In the course of three days, you will get simple, actionable steps to getting prepared for the first day of school. Guys, it's coming up soon and we need to be prepared. We're gonna go over how to set up your classroom in an organized way. I'll share with you a checklist of things needed for the first day, as well as encourage you as you begin a new year with organization and management tips that I think every teacher needs prior to the first day. Join me by signing up at the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash three-day challenge. I'll see you over there. Hey there, teachers. You are listening to episode number 47, how to handle consequences and discipline with your kiddos. I am all for positive behavior and positive reinforcement. Kids crave that positive feedback, so I want to be intentional about giving it to them frequently, but... Sometimes we need to hand out some consequences. Sometimes our kids need to be disciplined and we need to be confident in what we're doing when we hand out consequences. Kids are smart and they can tell when you're not being genuine or won't follow through. My mom, as all wise moms do, has given me tons of valuable advice over the years. But the one piece that I remember most in relation to teaching, at least, is to start off strict and loosen up as the year goes on. The best piece of advice she's given me not related to teaching is always buy it. You can return it later. (laughs) So yeah, that maybe gets me in a little bit of trouble with my husband. Anyways, back to her piece of advice for teaching. Start off strict and loosen up as the year goes on. And I couldn't agree with that philosophy more. Our classroom is a community and the kids are a part of that community. They should be a part of making decisions and developing the classroom culture They should be leading the learning, but they also need to understand that at the end of the day, you are the teacher, you're the adult, and you have the final say. They need a healthy respect for you. I think of this kind of like in my Christian faith and my relationship with God. I love God and I know he loves me, but I have a healthy respect for him. I know when he is lovingly redirecting me and giving me consequences and we need that same deal of healthy respect with our kids. That comes from establishing boundaries, expectations, and handing out consequences when they don't meet those boundaries or expectations. Now, I would always suggest to go positive before negative, And here's what I mean by that. One time I had a really difficult class and my principal came in to observe me and provide support. He counted the number of times I called on this certain student or redirected him. I think it was like six or seven times in this 45 minute observation, which honestly, I was a little bit annoyed because normally I have to call on him like 13 or 15 times. And so the fact that he wasn't being as terrible of a kid when the principal was in there, you know, kind of annoyed me anyways, six or seven times. It doesn't seem like a whole lot, right? But my principal told me that I needed to give him three times the amount of praise as I do redirections. That means in that same 45 minute period of time, I should have praised that kid at least 18 times. Can you believe that? That's a lot. But once I learned that strategy, it became really, really easy to implement. Anytime I saw that kid, especially that kid doing something positive, I reinforced it. Thank you, Jane, for turning in your paper Claire, I love the way that you're writing so neatly. Thank you, Cameron, for getting in line quietly. I noticed Steven is waiting quietly to be called on. Steven, what is it that you wanted to share? Those were actual things I would say to my kids. And sometimes you have to reward kids constantly. One year during that really difficult year that I was just talking about where the admin came in and it was, you know, observing, there was a point in the year where we got a whole group reward every 15 minutes. If we could go 15 minutes without shouting out, then we got to do a YouTube, I think it was the Gummy Bear song. This is like before Go Noodle. Um, and the Gummy Bear, you know, I'm a Gummy Bear, a Gummy Bear, or whatever, you know that one? Uh, the kids loved it. Anyways, we would do that like every 15 minutes or something like that because that is what we needed to quote unquote train the kids that positive behavior leads to positive rewards. My natural conversation became constant praise. Then when it did come time to redirect a student, there's more respect there because you're not always criticizing. Think about it. I don't know about you, but typically my experience with observations from admin was one or two things they liked, but constantly areas for improvement, whether it was in an observation in my room or they were just sharing at a faculty meeting, things like we need to be doing this instead of this. It wasn't always directed at me, but it always felt like admin was getting on to us or getting on to me. And all I really wanted was a, Hey Kelly, I love how you're constantly using Kagan structures. But what I usually heard was, why don't you try this? Or we need to do this instead. Do you get where I'm going here? As teachers, I think one thing we complain about a lot is admin not being grateful for us enough. But flip it are we grateful for our kids enough? Do we spend more time praising them and telling them what they're doing well? Or do we spend most of our time correcting them and telling them what they need to do better? I don't know about you, but my inner critic, social media, and all that stuff tells me that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. I don't need more of that from others. So let's be sure to do that for our kids. Of course, there are other ways to positively praise your kids. You can do it through your behavior management plan. I would say a whole group and a small group behavior management plan plus consistent praise should be adequate for positively reinforcing your behavior. You can check out episode number 11 for must have behavior management plans to learn more about that. And episode number, I believe it's 36, which is my classroom economy that I used for my Positive reinforcement behavior management plan. Now let's get to the meat of this whole discussion we're having. Consequences. The biggest thing, the biggest problem I see with teachers who struggle with classroom management is follow through. I can't tell you how many times I've seen and heard teachers correct a student Threaten a student with a consequence. Tell a student that this is what will happen if they don't follow directions. And they give children so many chances. Y'all, kids are smart. They know how far they can push you. They are going to test you. They are going to push you until you reach your limit. And if you don't already have a plan in place, you're going to burst and go crazy. And then they're going to know that they got you. You need to be prepared by giving them an expectation. Having a consequence prepared if it's not followed through. And being confident in handing out that consequence. Kids, Crave routines, they crave boundaries. I really think part of the reason I had such good relationships with my students and their parents, well, most of the parents, is because they knew that I meant business. I stayed in an expectation, and if they didn't follow it, there were consequences the very first time, and the very next time, and the next time. And then guess what? Once they realize that you are going to follow through with what you say, they stop acting out less and less. And then that relationship grows. Again, think about it from an adult perspective. You have more respect for the person who says they're going to do something and follows through with it than the person who says they're going to do something and then they flake out. Be that consistency for your kids. Now, the kids stop acting out less and less. That's not all kids. Trust me. I know that. I've had those kids. I've referenced them in this podcast You know, the kids that constantly push the envelope, they throw things, they punch, they kick me. Yes, I was kicked multiple times. Some kids are not going to respond to your consequences, but when we talk about the class as a whole, typically this system will work well. We also have to be really intentional that our consequences match the behavior. I will absolutely not recommend making kids sit out recess and think about their behavior. This isn't to say that I've never done that. Sometimes it is necessary, but I see way too many teachers who use that as their first or second option. Sitting out, recess, sitting out at recess is an absolute last resort for me, and it is never for the entire recess. A lot of times if kids were quote unquote sitting out at recess, it was they were completing work after numerous times of being able to complete it in class, and they just weren't getting it done because they were talking or looking around or whatever, that was about the only time I would take away recess. I also don't support writing kids' names on the board or somehow drawing negative attention to a student who's misbehaving. Instead of saying, hey, Nick, you're not walking in line correctly, I'll say something like, Sebastian, thank you for modeling how to walk in line quietly. I chose Sebastian because he's walking right in front of Nicholas. Or if you need to address the student, just walk up to them and talk to them quietly. Teaching is so incredibly overwhelming, and the start of the school year can be so fun and exciting, but also really overwhelming. One of the biggest questions or the struggles that I saw teachers asking last summer was what can I be doing right now to get ready for this school year? I saw both veteran teachers asking that and first year teachers. But my constant answer to that question was work on your behavior management plan, outline your routines, and decide how you want to organize your classroom. Those are like the three things that you could be doing. But this year, I have an even better answer than just those three things. The Kickstart Your School Year course was designed to help you start a new school year. Whether you're a first-year teacher, you're an experienced veteran teacher, you're going to have clear, actionable steps for setting up and organizing your classroom, as well as a detailed plan for managing your students and starting your school year on the right foot. You can get all the info you need at the simplyorganizedteacher.com kickstart. I am so pumped to finally be launching this course that has been an idea in my brain for a couple of years now. This course is designed to help you, the overworked, busy, stressed out teacher. We're going to walk through how to plan for self-care, create detailed management plans, discuss how to organize and decorate your classroom in a way that works for you, and you're also going to think about how to create your plans for the first few days, first week of school. If this sounds like something you're interested in, you can get all the information and sign up for the course at the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash kickstart. Next, I want to talk about consequences for the whole group. The easiest example I can give is lining up. This drove me crazy. Kids would get in line and talk. So let me walk through how I'd handle this in my classroom. On the first day of school, we talk about expectations in line. I call it a number one, two, and three line. We first talk about a number three line, what it looks like, messy, sloppy, talking, etc. cetera. Then we practice it and I take a picture. Then we talk about a number two line. Some kids following directions, some not. We practice and I take a picture. And then we talk about a number one line. All kids facing forward, voices off, you know the drill. I write all of these lines on an anchor chart and I attach the pictures to them so that they can have a visual for the expectation. Then it's time to line up and I ask them to get in a number one line. If they get in line and begin talking, I might say, okay, class, we're struggling with lining up. Let's try that again. Come back to your seat. Once they're all seated, we'll review the expectations and and then line up again. This will take me all of 30 seconds. Still, we line up. They don't do it correctly. We repeat the whole process again. Usually by the second time, they line up quietly. This is how I would practice the procedure and enforce it at the beginning of the year or after returning from a long break. But what about this? It's been three weeks into the school year. You're still struggling with lining up quietly. Well, that's when I would implement something like Recess Academy. Recess Academy is a practice from the book, Setting Classroom Limits, that I highly recommend. This can be done with the whole class, like this walking in line suggestion, or with individual students that need to practice a certain skill. So let me just read an excerpt from the book and that will do a much better job of explaining it than me. All right. This book is Setting Classroom Limits by Robert J. McKenzie and Lisa Stanzion. I don't know. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes so you can check it out. How much time do you spend disciplining your students for the predictable misbehaviors they do repeatedly throughout the week? I'm talking about tilting back in their chairs, talking during, ex- talking during instruction, leaving seats without permission, interrupting, chewing gum, disrupting, running in the hallways, She keeps listening. I'm going to stop there. These are predictable friction points for most students and their teachers. You can stop these misbehaviors with logical consequences, but consequences alone may not be sufficient for teaching your students the skills they need to behave more appropriately in the future. How do you get off the discipline treadmill? You have to go to the next step in the guidance process. You have to teach them the skills they need to behave more acceptably. Racist Academy is the skill training component of the logical consequence. What makes it a logical consequence? The training session is carried out on the student's time. Recess is a prime time for students. When they have to master social skills on their time, the importance of the lesson comes into focus. Even brief lessons carried out strategically can have a big impact. Recess Academy is your ticket off the discipline treadmill. This highly effective procedure is designed to address the repetitive low and mid-level problem behaviors that can plague us throughout the year. As the following example illustrates, this procedure works great with aggressive researchers, limit testers, and students who simply lack skills and are stuck in bad habits. So that's kind of a little bit of what Recess Academy is. And here's the steps according to the authors. Step one, teach the skill. So in this example, we're struggling with walking in line. I would bring the kids in during recess, or I actually usually just delayed going out. And we would come to the carpet, discuss the expectations for lining up, and we'd role model the process. Then step two, as a class, we would practice. Or sometimes if it was the same five or six kids causing our class to struggle with this, I would send out my whole class to recess and just keep in those few kids that needed to practice. And then step three is reinforce the behavior. So that's typically how I handled consequences in a whole group. Uh, What about consequences for individual students? Again, i would try to go positive first with an individualized behavior plan that sets out goals for them and rewards them when they meet those Head to episode 11 if you want a detailed explanation of that. But here's a few things I've done in the past when I needed to assign consequences. Contact parents. Except I call and say, hi, this is Mrs. Jackson, and I have Julie here on the phone. She needs to talk to you. And then I hand the phone over to Julie and make Julie tell mom or dad what she did. I do this for a couple of reasons. Selfishly, I get really freaked out calling parents and that they're going to rip my head off and tell me that their sweet baby would never, ever do that. Y'all, please don't ever be that parent. But secondly, and honestly, more importantly, it gives ownership to that kid. I mean, think about it. The wrath of a teacher is typically nothing compared to the disappointment of a parent. Then once the kiddo talks to mom or dad, I take over and finish up the conversation. I answer any questions they have and let them know how I'm going to handle it. The important thing to note here is that I don't want mom and dad assigning consequences at home. This error was made at school and it should be addressed at school with an appropriate consequence. They wrote on the wall. Well, then they get to erase it and spend a few minutes erasing other things on the wall or removing staples or something that equates to it. They threw food at lunch. They get to help the custodian clean up. I notify parents so they can have conversations at home, but I always tell the parents that there do not need to be any additional consequences at home. Sometimes taking things away can be effective, but you have to make sure what you're taking away matches the behavior. Taking away recess doesn't really match talking in class. A reasonable consequence might be sitting at an isolated table for the next 30 or 40 minutes. For a kid who likes to talk, this will be devastating to be all alone. One thing I did do uh, in relation to recess, I was thinking about this as I was talking about recess and not taking it away. Um, I had a kid who was constantly like hitting other kids at recess or just being mean, not playing nicely, taking the balls away, whatever. This kid, taking he needed recess. Taking away recess from him wasn't going to be an effective strategy. And so what I did instead was I gave him a boundary. I typically sat or stood near the same area every day. So I gave him like, a, I don't know, a 20 foot radius all around me of where he could go. So he still got to play at recess. His friends could come into his bubble, but he couldn't leave his bubble. And I did that for like, I don't know, a week or so. Um, well, it started out as like, okay, for today you can't do this. And then the next day he would get back into the same habit. So now, you know, I say, okay, a week of this boundary. And then we might go to like, okay, now two weeks. I think at one point I was like, you're going to be here the rest of the year. Of course, I didn't follow through with that. And that's what I'm talking about, about not following through. But that's an alternate way to adapt a recess consequence where they're still getting the recess, but it's just a little bit more restricted. Also, I want to say, don't be afraid to contact your administration. Especially if it's a really difficult student, sometimes you need extra help and that's okay. And what I wish I would have known during this year that I keep referencing is that it's okay to ask for help. In fact, you have to be that squeaky wheel. I remember feeling so bad to call the office and ask for additional support, but I also realized that if I wanted any true support, I was going to have to ask and ask and ask and ask again. Another type of consequence I would caution is school suspension. I know this is typically an administrative decision, but hopefully you get to be a part of that. When a kid gets suspended, it puts a burden on the parent, which to be honest, I think sometimes is needed, but that also may not help because the parent may just leave their kid at home all alone during the day. And guess what that kid does? They watch TV, they play video games, they do whatever they want. What does that teach him? In-school suspension would be a better option because the student is still required to be at school, but they're away from their peers and the fun parts of their school day. And actually another idea I've just thought of right now is to ask the parents to come sit with their kid in the class. This might be a a bit embarrassing, but guess what? That's life, right? Here's an option that inconveniences parents, especially if they're a parent who refuses to acknowledge their kid's behavior or won't help you develop a plan. But it also gives the parent a chance to see how their kid acts and hopefully show the student that you mean business. If you're going to misbehave, disrupt, or disrespect, then there's going to be consequences. What are ways that you handle consequences with students? I'd love to hear some more ideas. This is just how I handled them in my classroom and maybe not always the best ideas, but that's why I have this whole community and this podcast is to share ideas so we can get different ideas. I hope that I give you some new ideas and I'd love for you to come find me on Instagram and you share your ideas with me and with the Simply Organized Teacher community so we can all learn from each other. And while you're hopping over to come find me on Instagram, take a quick detour to iTunes to rate and review the podcast so other teachers can find it. Or take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your social media, whatever you can do to help get the word out and help more teachers find the podcast, I would be so greatly appreciative of it. Next week, I'll be back here with Ashley Bible, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Ashley's a high school teacher and founder of the Keeping the Wonder Workshop for high school English teachers. So be sure to come back next week, especially if you are a secondary teacher, because she's going to have a ton of great ideas for you. I'll talk to y'all then. Alright, I'm talking to teachers, so you already know that we have really limited time, right? I always tried to explain to my husband that when I go to work, I'm with kids for a majority of the day, so that keeps me from doing quote-unquote work, which is why many times I had to stay late, go early, or even bring work home, but no one wants to do that, and y'all know I am a huge advocate of keeping work at work so you can enjoy home at home, which is why I'm really excited to share with you about Ultimate Bundles. Ultimate Bundles is a company that does all the hard work of finding great resources for us. Basically, they choose a topic like productivity, photography, healthy meal planning, all sorts of topics, and then they scour the World Wide Web for great resources. They bundle them all together and then open the bundle for sale for only a few short days at a super, super, super discounted price. Then you, as the buyer, get to gain access to tons of eBooks, online courses, printables, summits, all sorts of stuff, on whatever that topic is that the bundle's about. I think I've officially purchased three bundles from them. One on photography that I'm currently working through right now. I've also bought one on homemaking, which let's be real, I'm not a homemaker, but there was some good stuff in there that I wanted and one on blogging and working from home. This time they're launching a bundle on productivity, which from what I hear from a lot of you is something that you need support in how can we make the most of our time both at home and at school so that we can keep work at work? This bundle features 46 different products. So those are eBooks, e-courses, printable planners, and packs. I think there's a summit in there all on the topic of being more productive and using our time wisely. The value of all of these resources put together is over $1,500, but for a short period of time, it's selling for only 37, which is why I bought a couple of those bundles in the past because The price of the whole bundle and all the resources a lot of times was less than buying that one online course or one ebook. If you want to learn more about the ultimate bundle productivity bundle that's launching right now, you can head to this week's show notes for more information or bit.ly forward slash TSOT productivity. I really am a huge believer in ultimate bundles and I would not share about them on my podcast if I didn't think the resources they created are worth your time or worth your money. If you want to ramp up your productivity and make more of your time both at home and at school, then head to bit.ly slash TSOT productivity to get your bundle now. But remember, part of the ultimate bundle deal is that it's only available for a short amount of time. So head there now to grab the bundle for $37. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember, all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at thesimplyorganizedteacher. Guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.